now something is about to happen that has not happened for an age. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 17 of The Great Divide. This is Tom here with Svine, and we used that little soundbite at the beginning because something really is about to happen that hasn't happened in an age, specifically for almost 15 years since the last Big Country album was released. And we are on the eve of the the release of a new Big Country album called The Journey, as I'm sure all of you know by now. You certainly should. And we thought we would we would try to put an episode out a little bit more quickly than we usually do. So this one is going to be a little bit more of a bare bones episode, not quite as produced and uh, we haven't researched much. But we wanted to put something out there because, you know, it's and there's my first, you know, of the show. I'm going to try to avoid that, by the way, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. do Do like John and put a list in front of you. I know. Once you become aware of yourself saying that, it's it's just you start to it's like a little a jab in the in the gut every time you say it, so I'll try to avoid Ooh, yes. it. But anyway, yeah, really, I, I'm sure I won't avoid it completely. But anyway, um, we thought it would be good to put an episode out there before a new big country album because who knows how many time, chances we're going to have to do this. And as all of you know who are longtime fans of the band, when when a new big country album is about to come out, there is a long period of thinking about what it's going to be sounding like, what the album is going to look like. Back in the days when CD and CD artwork and even even album artwork really meant something, which it doesn't seem to mean it nearly as much these days. You used to wonder about what the album art would look like and, of course, what the lyrics would be like and everything. And you would I know that I used to look at the song titles first because that's usually what would leak out first. And I would try to envision what a certain song might sound like based on its title and that kind of thing. So this show is really going to be about that, about what it's like as a big country fan to prepare for a new Big Country album and what we're thinking about uh, as we wait for the release of The Journey. And one of the big things about being a Big Country fan is that feeling of waiting for a new album. So we thought it might be interesting before we start talking about The Journey to go back and talk a little bit about some of our best experiences or, or most memorable experiences waiting for and then finally inevitably hearing a new Big Country album and, and which one of those really sticks in our head the most. So I'll turn it over to Svine, and he can add to anything that I said to introduce the show. And then, and I'll Svine, just go ahead and uh, after you do that, go ahead and tell us your story of your most memorable big country release. Yeah, uh, I guess our quota for intro is uh, out by now. But <laughs> no, it's uh, it's one of those things you never expected to wait for a new album. I certainly didn't. I never thought we would uh, actually sit there and talk about it ever again. Uh, so. Uh, it's a, it's a mixture of excitement and also an, uh, a, a bit different because it used to be like you knew what you were going to get. It was going to be those four guys and they were going to put something out and you knew the trademarks. You kind of knew the style, even though sometimes they would throw a curve at you, but it sounded like the band. And this time the curve is three new people in the band and uh, two people gone. And uh, they're still going out to speak country, which I don't have a problem with at all. But they have gone out and played live songs so far. And they've done shows. And that's been sort of starting the hard way. Because they went out and played Stewart's songs. And they played the legacy material. And they've been introducing new songs here and there. But 
finally there's going to be an album which is theirs it's those five guys they're gonna live and die by that album stand and fall by that album and um i think this is the first time you can really judge how this is going to be like you know you you can be uh sort of you can regret it till you're gray in the face that mike goes out and sings songs like in a big country and look away and all the hits uh now he's going to go out there and sing songs that belongs to this version of the band. And uh, from a genuinity point of view, finally, this is their stamp. This is now something they should be judged by. Uh, you can really say what you will about them playing the legacy material, but this is it. This is what um, finally we've been waiting for since they started. And it's been a couple of years. So it's been yeah. a very long time to wait for this. So uh, I think everybody's ready right now to, for them to come out with this album and start touring on it and start standing a bit on their own legs and stop uh, leaning so much on the legacy. And if they're going to start a new journey and start looking forward and be a band to count on in the coming years, which they fully intend to be, then new albums and new material is obviously what they need to have, need to put out there. So uh, why don't we just talk a bit about uh, how it's been in the past? I mean, uh, I don't know what your first album was. Mine was The Seer. And I actually do not remember picking it up. So I don't think that was the first day of release or anything at all like that. I think I actually bought the tape from a gas station or something like that. I actually, I actually don't remember buying The Seer either, strangely enough. But I, I do remember buying Steel Town. And I was... Uh, I was very young too, and um, I was very shy back then. And I, I remember uh, a lot of you might remember that back then in record stores, they had the albums out, but inside locked cases. At least here in America is what they how they did it. In, they had the cassettes inside of locked cases, and um, I was too I was too shy to ask someone to open the the case for me. <laughs> and. I, I don't know why. I, I, it might have been a little bit of embarrassment because I also wanted to buy Kiss the Elder at the time <laughs> <laughs> on cassette, and um, that was considered very uncool. So I wanted to buy Kiss the Elder and Steel Town, and I, I remember walking around, and I, I spotted them in the in the case with the cassettes, and I saw where they were, and I kept walking back and forth and trying to work up the courage to go up to this cool chick and ask her to open the cassette counter. Uh, or the cassette um, case, and uh, I, I finally, like after like five minutes of me pacing back and forth, someone came up to me and said, "Can I help you with something?" <laughs> and then I said, "Yes, I would like these two cassettes, please." And um, and they they got them for me. So yeah, that that was quite an interesting listening experience. Listening to "Kisses the Elder," which I had heard before on on the album version because that came out a few years before Steel Town. But uh, yeah. I wanted it on I wanted it on cassette, but then Steel Town, but. Yeah, one thing I, I neglected to say on our big steel t- or on our big uh, seer trilogy is that I don't remember buying the seer for some reason, but I do remember that I was not very impressed with that album when I first heard it. And we don't want to get back into a seer discussion, but it's it's interesting how a lot of these albums go. Sometimes they they bowl you over immediately. Sometimes they're a bit of a grower, and the seer was definitely a grower for me. I remember after first listen, I I just thought, I don't know if I like this or not. This isn't really what I expected and what I wanted after being so into Steel Town. But within a within a few short days, really, I was totally in love with the album. So it'll be interesting to see how this new album, uh, how how people experience this new album. Is it going to be something that blows people away immediately? Is it going to be a grower? And I imagine it'll be different for everyone, but yeah. So t- why don't you tell us your your 
your story of which, whichever album you do remember the most buying. Oh, that's definitely the Buffalo Skinners. And, uh, uh, see, that's, <laughs> that's going to be mine too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And part of uh, it is, it was so totally unexpected and the way that I really came upon it. Uh, I was living in Bergen at the time. And uh, for those who do not know, that's the second biggest city in Norway, uh, right in the bang in the middle of the West Coast. And uh, this was my studying years. Uh, I was at the university there. And uh, there was this gigantic record store. It was like three stories, gigantic stories. And you had kind of like the the street level store, which was like the – you know, common man, drop in and get your the hits or the common thing or the most known artists. A pretty nice store. Then you had the stairs down to the basement, which was where all the cool, the rock crowd and the indie and all that stuff was there. You know, all, all the best record stores, you have to go and stare it down. Oh, down, yeah. to, down to a basement. And then there, there was a stair up to where you could find movie soundtracks, uh, DVDs, movies, posters, merch. And, uh, and that kind of stuff. So it was like a three gigantic level store. And I was just walking in off the street and I heard, uh, as usual, I was heading for the stairs going down. And then I heard these sounds coming from the mid-level. So I went in and I was hit, sort of sucker punched in my solar plexus by this. <laughs> I gotta live. And I couldn't believe it. I was hearing something, and it was unmistakably big country. This very clearly was that. And I didn't know a new album was coming out. I didn't know what they were doing, if there were still a concern. And here they had this track, and they were kicking ass. It sounded so fresh, and you know, it just blew me away. And were you a member of the of the country club back then? Or so you didn't know anything about it, huh? I knew nothing about it. And you have to keep in mind, this is the second biggest town in Norway. Uh, sort of the biggest record store blasting music off the street. I go in and they're playing big country. What the hell is this alternate universe <laughs> I wanted into? So I went up to the stairs and uh, I'd like that CD, please. <laughs> Just, or, or I think I said, I, I'd like the new big country is what I said. And he said, oh, we're actually playing it now. So yes. <laughs> it is true, it's true. I'm not just dreaming it. It's not just a sound-alike band. And yeah. th- so that was the Buffalo Skinners. And I don't know what my plans were that day, but I took it straight home. And I sat there with the biggest grin on my face I've ever had and just <laughs> took it in. And it was such a kick-ass album, too, to, to boot. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, uh, as much as I uh, like No Place Like Home, I think I like it a bit more in hindsight, but I still liked it. But this was more my thing. You know, I come from a very hard rock background, and this was Big Country's hard rock album. It used to be Steeltown. I think Buffalo Skinners is sort of more straight in your face a bit than that. So um, I really, really appreciated that. And that's always going to be like the feeling I never forget, walking mm-hmm. off the, the biggest street, second biggest city in Norway, and they're blasting the one I love. And I'm never going to get that again, even if I walk by one of the tiny record stores that still exists and they play humbly the journey if it's just the best I can hope for it that's not, <laughs> right. it's not going to happen it's not going right, to happen right. they, they were blasting it and uh, it really kicked off big country in the 90s for me because at the same time right as that happened that was when I found the first big country group on the internet 
and uh, the first mailing list it had like 15 people on it i think i was part of the first 15 so it had people like marcus schuller and louis crow and i forget who else was on there so if any of you guys listen to this shout out to you guys uh, those were the days um i think we grew very quickly i think you joined before wide long face i remember meeting you prior to the release of that album online for the first time so yes. uh, so that was yes, a very that's, special that's exactly album too. Right. Yeah, so, so that was a very special album too. Not from a going to the record store and buying it perspective, but that was the first time I, it was like a true community, a lot of people waiting for the album and being online and waiting for them. And we um, we knew it was coming then. And I remember, oh my God, I got to get this before most of these guys or there will be no surprises left. So that was the first time you, you get what we're definitely having now with the journey. Like you, is it possible to, to have nerves of steel control I know, and, yeah, and, and avoid tough. listening to it. It's, it's really tough. And that was my first taste of it there. Not so much in, we, we get the files or anything like you can today, but certainly people want to talk about it and anyone wanted to hear it and be the first to report back about it. So there was still that little thing going on. So I remember that too, for completely different reasons. I miss those days in some ways. I mean, I really do. It, 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 it's funny because my my experience is, is uh, the same as far as the album it was the Buffalo Skinners and and when I was thinking about this, yeah, it was interesting to me that I really didn't have as much as I was into big country before the Buffalo Skinners, well, be- ten years before the Buffalo Skinners came out, I really didn't have any great memories of listening to a new big country album. I had lots of memories of waiting for albums, but after the seer came out i always ended up seeming to be disappointed initially by a big country release i mean i I remember being disappointed with peace in our time i was disappointed in that musically and then of course no place like home was a big disappointment to me as well and and both of those albums really have grown on me over time and as we've said many times when you can look at the whole catalog of the band in hindsight after years have passed you look at them differently and i I love both of those albums for, for different reasons now but at the time, I really wanted the big country that I loved initially. I wanted to return to the Celtic sound. I wanted those guitars. I wanted, I wanted that feeling that that really inspired me initially. And like you, it, it was it was the Buffalo Skinners that did it. Now I was it was different for me in the sense that I was a member of the fan club at that time. I knew the Buffalo Skinners was coming out. I and before I even heard the album, I had a really nice experience hearing the Alone cd single because i ordered the alone cd single import Mm. and i remember at the time waiting for that to come and i would go check the mailbox when i thought about the time that i thought it should be arriving i would start checking the mailbox every day and i would be so disappointed if it wasn't there and i really remember this one day it was a snowstorm and the mailbox i lived in a country area at the time and i had to walk probably about a, a good half a mile to the mailbox and it was snowing, uh, it was a big snowstorm this day, and I I walked down the the, uh, the lane, as we called it, to the mailbox, and I remember opening the mailbox, and there was this package. And, and any time I saw Par Avion on a package, <laughs> right? Yeah, I was so excited because I knew what it was, and it, and it was it was that it was either a new country club magazine or it was something that I ordered. And by the size of this package, I knew it was the CD. So I remember going home and. It's funny because Alone is not even remotely my favorite song on the album, but when I put that song on and heard that opening guitar part and the way Stewart sang those opening lines, it was just magic. And 
and then hearing Eastworld on that single, and I knew that something was brewing here and that the band was coming back. And then to, to make a long story short, and again, I mentioned this briefly talking when we talked to Bruce, um, there was an import store that I would order a lot of these things from. And the actual store was about an hour and a half away from where I lived. So when the Buffalo Skinners came out, I was not going to wait for it to be delivered to me. I was going to go drive to that store and buy it because it was, it was really the only place that I could go. There was no place that, that had big country albums. Now, that, that album was released in the U.S., but it came out later than the actual um, U.K. release. So yeah. I wasn't going to I wasn't going to wait. So. I remember driving to this place. It was probably about an hour and 20 minutes to get there. Well, you, you would think it was today. With with the scarcity of record stores and uh, today you'd have to drive that far. Yeah, you probably would if you even want to find a record store. I don't there really aren't even any hardly any around anymore here. But this was a great place. It was it was where when No Place Like Home came out, I just happened to be in that store and I knew the album was coming out soon and I asked a guy, "Hey, is there anything new by Big Country?" and he he pulled out the Republican Party Reptile CD single, and I was so excited. That was another story. Of course, I was inevitably disappointed when I listened to that. But anyway, I went in, got the Buffalo Skinners, and I, I remember sitting in my car and looking at the cover and really thinking it was cool. And the first thing I did was rip open the cover, look at the song titles. I already knew what they were, but I, I started to read the lyrics. And for some reason, I distinctly remember reading the lyrics to all go together and Something about those lyrics. It, in fact, funnily enough, the word the cattle the cattle call. I remember hearing reading that line and thinking, yes, this is something I would I would the old school Stuart Adamson would write. He's writing about cattle. Yeah, <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah, this is great. The new harvest. So I read all the, yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. And and so as I mentioned on the show, I did not have a work a working CD player in my car, so I don't know if it was broken or if I just didn't have one. So I had to drive all the way home. And then I, like you, I listened to that with a huge smile on my face, and I was so excited. And I distinctly remember tearing up in uh, the middle section of the Selling of America, because there's a section in there where the bagpipe guitars return mm -hmm. with a with a vengeance. <laughs> That was my biggest memory of, as far as most enjoyable memory of a big country release. Yeah. And then like, and then like you said, I mean, I got onto the 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 email group and the email list, and it was great. You know, we started to talk about the band and what was coming out, and and as you say, things began to change because no more were you just totally surprised on day one of release so much. It was still there, but. Um, it was it was more difficult because you began to hear things about the songs and and of course now we're at the point where you with YouTube you hear the live songs that, that were done and we have the the issue where we're going to be comparing what the songs were live to the final versions of them on the journey and yeah. file sharing and everything else so it's it's hard to have those experiences anymore and they're good and bad things to that but I I, I too miss having that pure experience of having the album in your hand and listening to it for the first time and you know so yeah definitely I, yeah so it's a bit of pining for the fjords there it's time that can't come back <laughs> uh, yes uh, you, um, and i get that i get that reference 
Yeah. Good, good Monty Python reference. So there, there are big country stories, and I'm sure you guys have your own. And one of the things that we wanted to do for the show, we, we've, we've gotten a pretty good reaction in the, in the last few days, the last couple of weeks. But as at the end of the last show, you could see that we, um, you heard that we had this new technology that we were trying to incorporate into the show called SpeakPipe. And that is something where you guys can add something to the show by recording a message that we will play on the show. Unless it's unless it's full of profanities or or insults to me, In, insults to Svine are more than welcome, and profanity that's only directed at Svine is more than welcome. But our question for this one was, if for you guys to relate your favorite experiences buying a new Big Country album, and we didn't get much of those, but we also wanted you to talk about what your thoughts of the new album were going to be or, or were, and if you had any reaction to hearing the thirty second clips that were released on Amazon of the album in its entirety, 30-second clips of every song. So we got a, a lot of really good and interesting comments, and they really spanned the spectrum of what people are expecting and thinking about as Big Country prepares to go on this new journey, trademark. Right? <laughs> yeah, that seems like the trademark now, but you can't help but say it. So why don't we start by... Um, talking about well let's let's start by playing the first submission that we got and this is Andy Inkster the great Andy Inkster I remember your name very well over the years and was was he a part of the the initial email yeah. list yeah okay. he, he was one of those names I thought so and it's it's always great to to uh, hear those names and to see those names again and and to hear your voice for the first time and this goes for a lot of you guys is is very cool too so let's play Andy Inkster's comment and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it Hello guys, it's Andy from Australia. Uh, this is a pretty cool idea and I love it and I also love your podcast. It's uh, hilarious. Um, guys, I really thought I was just looking forward to this album and I was, I was pretty excited about it, but I've just heard some of those sound bites on the Amazon website and my excitement levels have just gone through the roof. Um, sounding like... They've really taken a step back. I mean, somebody mentioned on the message board, I think, that it's like the REL tapes. It's the album that Peace In Our Time should have been. Um, and from the 30-second clips on the on the website, ah, oh, gee. Um, excited now is, uh, is barely contained. Um, this is going to be brilliant. I've got just one question for you. I think... Uh, Maybe Stuart's Nashville influence turned the band in a direction that perhaps the other guys didn't want to go. Um, I was always wondered whether uh, Bruce, Tony and Mark were really happy with the that country sort of twang that got into a lot of their songs. I mean, a lot of these songs didn't actually make Driving to Damascus, but there was a certain feel about it. And I just wonder if uh, this is the album that the guys perhaps wanted to make but couldn't you know 14 years ago uh what are your thoughts anyway um thanks for for listening and thanks for having me bye great he's very excited as you can tell about the new songs and that's awesome um as for the other question about driving to damascus i often wondered that myself in fact i wanted to ask bruce a little bit about that but by the time we got to driving to damascus we were so short of time and had already kept him on for so long that we really didn't talk about that album too much but i think you you might be right i mean 
I definitely think that Stewart was the was the focal point of the band as far as the driving force of the band. He always was. So there's no doubt that he was really into that kind of music. And I'm sure that he pulled the other guys into it some somewhat. Um, I have not really heard that kind of Nashvilleian country stuff on either Bruce's or Tony's solo work. So I have to assume that they it's not really a style that they were necessarily uh, going to naturally fall into. I think they liked it. I don't think they would have done it if they didn't like it personally. But yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what this full album sounds like as far as is there going to be any sense of any tie in to driving to Damascus, which was the last big country album. I mean, it was a long time ago. But is there going to be any tie into that Nashvilleian influence or is it going to be completely more of a Eurocentric type of rock that big country was initially? And that, that's an interesting question. And I don't think we'll know the full answer to that unless we uh, ask the guys, but also until we actually hear the album and hear what it sounds like. But yeah, so thanks, Andy. That's a, that's a, those are great comments and a great question. Yeah, judging on the 30 second clip so far, there's no indication that there's anything Nashvilleian at all. Uh, quite the opposite. Uh, I hear um, traces of uh, how it sounded, at least earlier in the 90s and somewhat in the 80s, even though it's different. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's like you said, you know, he Stuart wouldn't make the guys do it if they didn't want to do it. And Bruce said by his own admission, he loved songs like Magic in Your Eyes and, and those songs. Uh, on the other hand, Stewart spoke about songs that he wrote like Cimarron and Medicine Show, and that these were songs he proposed to the band, and they didn't record them, but the other guys weren't keen on them, so they never got further than the In the Scud kind of stage. So there definitely was, like, the songs had to be good, and if they liked them, they would do it. But um, I think there's no doubt those songs came from Stewart. So that, that was our first comment, and it was a great one. And let's move on to the second one we got, which is... Another guy who is uh, a lot of you guys will know you long timers. This is this is Earl, uh, John Earl Mundell, actually from Canada. You guys will know him as Earl, as many of us do, and he has a much different take as far as what he's expecting from the new album than Andy. So this will lead to some interesting discussion, and I think a lot of people feel the way that Earl does, and I think a lot of people feel the way that Andy does. So mm-hmm. let's play Earl's comments, and we'll come back and talk about him. Hey guys, it's John Earl Mundell from Dynamic Range Radio dynamicrangeradio.ca and the question of the day for the Great Divide podcast is what are people's expectations for the new album and I am expecting nothing from the new album as far as I'm concerned it's not even a big country album I look at this as some sort of offshoot of big country you know like the Casbah Club or Dead Man Walking but the idea of big country without Stuart Adamson just makes no sense to me at all. As far as I'm concerned, big country died the day that Stuart Adamson died, and any attempt to resurrect the band without him is just doomed to fail. I've heard the new stuff like Another Country and The Journey, and it does absolutely nothing for me. The formula is there, the bits and pieces are there, but the inspiration is missing and the genius is missing and that is what Stuart Adamson brought to the band and that is what Mike Peters just cannot replace yeah I think first of all this is a fantastic clip to come back with after uh, Andy's enthusiasm here we have the opposite view and uh, I have to say it's a fair view and it's really 
a good sport of Earl to record that for us. He needed a bit of prodding because initially he felt this would be too negative and he didn't really want to be negative. But um, he did it, so kudos to him. And um, Thanks, Earl. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point to bring up because I know a lot of fans feel this way. And uh, I think to some degree that's understandable. Uh, certainly it's not going to be the same as before. So I don't think the discussion really on the new album is, is this going to sound like it did with Stewart? Of course, it's not going to sound that same way. Uh, the thing to me is, will these five musicians have something to offer that could um, fit within the legacy somehow of Big Country? And uh, to some people, it, it won't. Uh, I guess that's fair. I mean, to me, this band today consists of three musicians that I love and adore and two musicians that I have growing respect for. So um, judging on these clips, there, there is something there that they're offering that fits the bill and ticks a lot of my boxes. So um, it's hard to say, but uh, I would hope that those who are of the most skeptical nature, that they will give it a listen, give it a chance and maybe judge it a bit on its own merits and not compare it with The Crossing, not compare it with Steel Town. I mean, the Lord knows that most of the albums that followed couldn't match those expectations. So at least compare it to Peace in Our Time, compare it to Driving to Damascus or something. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I've decided that I'm not going to compare it to anything. I mean, uh, I totally get where Earl is coming from. I, I totally get where any fan who feels that is coming from. And I don't want anyone to think that Right. They, they have to toe the party line or so no, to speak to, to, to feel valid. And, and it's a totally valid feeling. I you know, I felt that uh, some of that, too. But as you say, I think I think the best thing you can do if you've been a fan for for so for this long, at least give it a chance, at least at least give it a chance out of respect for the guys who are in the band and who have who have carried that torch and. Stuart, one thing Earl brought up that I thought was was interesting is he said the genius is gone, and in a way that's true. I I, I think a lot of people look at Stuart as the, a genius and the driving force behind the band, and and I would I would say he was, but I think when we start to say that Big Country doesn't exist without Stuart, although I certainly understand the sentiment and I understand the emotion behind it, and it's it's very similar to the whole thing with queen or any other band that's done something like this it, it really is it gets to the point where it's kind of insulting and disrespectful to the guys who are still alive and still in the band because they were a huge part of of the sound of big country yeah. and one thing that i've learned in in over the recent years is how much more for example bruce input bruce had into the band than i had had thought before so while I agree that Stewart was a genius and he is a one of a kind guy who is never gonna come again, probably if, for for us at least, um, I think uh, hearing what Bruce has accomplished and knowing what Mark can do and knowing what Mike has accomplished and the kind of guy he is, I I, I don't know. I just I feel like it's it's worth giving a chance to and it's gonna be hard for me to stack this up against stuff that Stewart was involved in. So I'm trying to trying to divorce myself from thinking that way. Mm. Um, I'm almost thinking of this as still big country, but it really is a different version of it. Um, and it, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what kind of emotion it, it isn't. It's still able to conjure in me 
Yeah, but, definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, as much as I agree with the Stuart was the genius comment uh, to some degree, uh, he, he was a lot of the heart and soul of the band. At the same time, I am not a gigantic fan of the music he made at the end of his life. Uh, Driving right. to Damascus does not rate highly in the big country catalog for me. I think the Raphael's album rates even lower. I think a lot of that album is... I'm not going to say it, but uh, if if that this is where the guy was heading, maybe he wouldn't be interested in taking Big Country to to even where these five guys are taking it now. Right. So so um, you know it's uh, they say the best thing that can happen to an artist is dying because then you preserve your memory and you know you become legend automatically and stuff and it's it's hogwash basically, but. You know, we never know. At the same time, we never know. Would he, uh, would Stewart go even further towards the Nashville kind of sound? Would he go deeper into the the direction of Raphael's? Um, it really doesn't point towards you know back to the glory days of Big Country to me. And obviously, it was a solo project, but so was Dead Man Walking, and so was uh, Four Good Men. So to say there or compared the big country of today with those projects is maybe not fair either. One of the questions I, I've been thinking about uh, over the course of this week is the name big country. A lot of people think they should not be called big country. You and I both agree that it's it's fine that they still call themselves that. We recognize the fact that the name is a brand and that these guys, some of these guys in the band, obviously Bruce and Mark have worked a long time to make that name mean something. They, they deserve to keep using it. It's it's something that's going to help them financially with this album and with their touring, et cetera. But that aside, do you think, and I'm asking you this question, do you think by calling themselves Big Country and by keeping that name that they owe it to the fans to produce a certain type of music that is in the vein of what we would expect from Big Country? In other words, by calling them, by keeping the name Big Country, how far do you think the lines are that they can veer from what would be quote unquote the traditional big country sound to, to make it okay that they still have the name big country right uh, well first of all i think them taking that name is a state of intent that uh, it's not just a business um, this is something that they feel they want to do it they want to keep the legacy alive and you saw it especially the first year and we mentioned this in episode nine i believe where there was almost like the the threading of eggshells on stage and leaving the space open for stewart in the middle of the stage and uh, going out the way they did it was very clearly a tribute uh, lots of pointers to the past and uh yeah, so, so get to the, the actual answer for, the, for your question. It's now they're pointing to the future. Uh, I, uh, I would personally want them to do it, obviously. Uh, that's what I want from the band. I want a certain thing from the band. But as history has shown, the band has been able to branch out into a lot of different things and still somehow keep on to a certain big country identity. So I would be happy for them to try things as long as they keep on to a certain something. And don't ask me to define what that certain something is. I think every fan knows what I mean. Um, There is something about that band, something that ticks the big country boxes. And despite, you know, the the changes of styles you see across the albums, um, this could be a new switch just by effort of being five guys, three new guys and two old guys in the band. Um, so um, it's it's a hard one to answer. How how far could they go? Yeah. Um, I uh, the clips I've heard so far has reassured me to that regard. I definitely think they are heading more back towards what they were than 
maybe the last couple of albums. So um, I feel that way too. Yeah, so so I'm much reassured, and so so it's really just theory at that point. Uh, as long as they keep a certain something about them that that is the uniquely big country ingredient, whatever that is, uh, right. I'd, I'd be happy for them to keep going. I guess um, Bruce said it best, you know, it, it it needs to happen naturally, and that's what these guys have done. I I would choose to believe all along, or sometimes they try to appease more to certain markets, but still. Um, they were reasonably true to themselves overall over the years. And if they continue being that and the new guys coming in are aware of what they're going into, which I definitely think is the case, uh, I'm not really overall concerned. Right. Excellent. Yeah. And that leads us to our next submission. And this comes from Mark Ribbon, who's a very uh, welcome and respected poster on our Facebook page and who has an awesome avatar, as I always often talk about, of Quincy, one of my favorite shows growing up. So Mark sent us a message. His was, his was a, a good-sized mes- good message as far as length, and believe me, we were happy to get it. But it might be edited just a little bit on this show so that we could fit every point in that we, that we think is salient to this discussion. So let's play what Mark said, and we will come back and discuss it. Hi, Tom. Hi, Svein. It's Mark Gribben here. Um hopes for the journey. Well, I think the first thing to say, surely, is that uh, this is not going to be like it was back in the 80s when you know, the world and I were young. You know, it was such a tribal thing. You're, you're a teenager, music's a very tribal thing, I suppose. Or at least it was then. I, I guess it probably is now, but I don't know. I'm not a teenager anymore. Um, in my, my school, it was you were a big country, you were U2, or you were Simple Minds, or you were, you were a metalhead, maybe. Kiss, ACDC, whatever. Uh, but I was big country. They're from my hometown, Dunfermline, and they were my band, and you know they've been pretty much my band ever since. Very, very tribal. Now, now I'm in, in, in my mid forties. Well, you know nothing's going to ever be as tribal as that again. So the journey, in anticipation or what have you, can really never measure up to that to that kind of experience. It it, it just can't. And you know also it's you know, it was recorded by guys who are now mostly in their early 50s who, through financial necessity, or at least until very recently, have been working the band part-time. You know, there's, there's a, a, a limit to the expectations you can really realistically place on that kind of setup, I would think. But, you know, that being said, the first thing really is that the, the metaphor of the journey is, is, is just absolutely perfect to my mind. It's, it, it completely honors the, the big country heritage. What do I expect from it? Well, I, I this is difficult, isn't it? Because much as we, well, I, I, I know we all honour and love Stuart in our thoughts. I, I don't think we necessarily honour Stuart by setting the bar too high for Mike. Mike is not the same guy. He's not the same lyricist. I don't expect Mike to deliver lyrics as Stuart did, and I, and I think we, uh, we're unreasonable if we um, expect him to fill Stuart's shoes in, the, in those specific kind, kinds of ways. Um, I do think that Mike is a, is a great keeper of the flame. He, he will carry the flame forward as he's done to date with great uh, integrity, honour and respect for the for the band and for their legacy. Given you know his own experiences in life and his own attitude to life, um, he, he is a wonderful guy to you know, to transport those themes of, uh, of um, you know, adventure almost, but, but certainly of endurance, hope, renewal, 
pride spirit. Those are ideas that, that just bleed from Mike, and, and, and that is a you know, very, very good fit. I think the most important thing for me is that the existence of the Journey album is itself a, a triumph over adversity, and it's not a day we could ever imagine coming. It's you know very obvious thought, I know, but uh, the, the very fact that uh, these guys are still standing, still getting stuff out there, is that, that's pretty inspirational to me. Okay, uh, really interesting comments from Mark, and that was a great message, and really a lot of that stuff I completely uh, can relate to, and especially the comment I think is interesting uh, about big country being a really tribal type of thing, especially when you're young, and not so much when a lot of us are in our uh, late 30s or 40s now, and may, I'm sure some are even older than that. So, how does it change? How does it change? It's, it brings up an interesting point. How does things? How do things change with a band like this that was so instrumental in your adolescence and your young adult years? Now that we're all older, or some of us, we do have some younger listeners too. And uh, and if you're still out there, <laughs> hopefully you are. Um, so you can you can listen to the old people talk now, and and you can get a feel for what you might be going through years from now. But how does it change? And, and he brings up a, a completely valid point that really, and I certainly don't expect anything to hit me the way it did when I was sixteen or fourteen or or whatever. Doesn't mean that I can't still be emotionally moved and even bowled over by stuff. I I still occasionally get that feeling from new music and new bands. It's a lot more rare these days. I can't deny that. But the the whole thing about the tribal big country experience, I, I personally did not feel that way only because in America, when I really started to get into the band, they were beginning their downward spiral in popularity. And they're really – I didn't know very many big country fans. I knew a few, but they became fewer and fewer as the, as the albums wore on. So I really didn't feel a part of any tribe until I – Develop the uh, or until I discovered the email lists and those types of things, but I do get completely what Mark is saying, and there there is kind of a feeling that when you're young, that this is my band and and this band speaks to me and who I am, and and it really kind of uh, influences you in a in a different way as to when you're older. But to be honest, I didn't know what I would what I would feel like as as the release date for the journey approached, but I have found myself really feeling some of that excitement again. I have to say, for me personally, I've been pleasantly pleased and surprised to have that feeling again after so many years of, yeah, you know what? I am genuinely excited to hear new big country music, and Stuart's not there, and that's all. That's tough, and it's hard to to wrap your head around that to some degree. But it's been a long time now, and I don't know. I, I do still think what I'm trying to say is that there is still some sort of a tribal feel, even though it may have been different. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? It's fine. Uh, I come from it from two angles. Uh, on one level, uh, from the this is my band thing, that never stopped to me. And uh, not uh, with Big Country, not with anything. If I like a band, I'm like that. But uh, no, yeah, I, I definitely still have that aspect of it. But from if if you mean by tribal, the sort of the group of fans that bond together, and as you get older, maybe they go their separate ways. You know, I, I never really had that. Certainly not with Big Country. That was the email lists. And uh, these days you have email lists or Facebook or message boards. They are there. You have, uh, if anything, it's more than back in my young days because of that. So, um, yeah, Big Country, that was a solitary listening experience until I discovered 
internet in 93. Yeah, it was pretty much for me too. I mean, I did have some, I did make some good friends um, initially around those 80s periods that were still really into the band. But mm. I swear, one by one, they all dropped off of the big country bandwagon, and I was the only one left. And that is no exaggeration. I had people who were just fanatics about big country, and man, once Steel Town came, or not Steel Town, once Peace in Our Time came out. They they started to fall away, and I think there was one guy still left. And then once No Place Like Home came out, he was gone, and it was just me. Right. So yeah, it, it was it was a tribe of one for a while. But um, yeah, really good points from from Mark, and really appreciate that message. And one other thing he mentioned that I thought was really a, a nice point, and we'll talk about this more later on in the show. But I, I liked your comment about we don't honor Stewart by setting the bar too high for Mike. I mean, it's mm. it's a, it's a tough situation for Mike to be coming in into there's no doubt about it i mean not only is he taking the place of someone who is so revered but he's taking the place of a guy who died and and, and there's the, that whole emotion that goes with it too it's not like stewart just decided to quit big country and mike took over i mean he died and and was not able to continue but i i really do and this is a, just a personal thing i really do admire mike as a human being and i admire the way that he's approached this this job and I do have some some issues or some concerns about some of the things he brings to the table, but we'll talk about those. But I have no concerns as to the passion that he brings and and the the reverence that he brings to the band's legacy. And and, uh, and I have less concerns about the musical aspect since I'm such a diehard fan of Mike. He's yeah. all, almost up there with uh, Big Country and their prime. Not quite, but it's. Uh, I think he's been more consistent over the years and um, uh, doesn't have the same peaks as Big Country, but he's up there for me. But uh, it's not going to be the same. And the point of we don't understand it by setting the bar to high for Mike, that that's really it, – it's an encapsulating sentence. It says it all. Definitely. So great great thoughts, Mark. We really appreciate it. All right. So now we have a message from our friend Ye Yin Chunk. Hi, I'm uh, Yi from Singapore, and it's great to hear your great podcast. I've been a fan since 1984 when I saw the country performing at the Grammy Awards and I've been collecting uh, the albums ever since. In year 2000, I went to watch the Final Fling concert and it was great to meet the guys and I was also at the last big country performance with, uh, with Stuart in Malaysia. It was a good concert and Sadly to say, that was the last uh, BC performance that we will ever see. So I'm looking forward to the new album and also to the new band. Uh, from the 30 seconds slip, they sounded more like U2 and The Alarm. But anyway, uh, I will just reserve judgment and we'll wait for the album to come out. Stay alive. Yeah, thank you for that message. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, the fact that you didn't stop when you had thunder and lightning uh, spewing out, uh, perfect. There is a song among the 30-second clips that I thought, does this sound like you too? So I'm not going to say which song it is. I'm going to say one of them sounded like that to me. And we're going to have the next show after we actually listen to the album. And I'm going to, like you, reserve judgment and see uh, what the full thing sounded like. Overall, I don't feel that way. Overall, I hear a lot of big country. So uh, I'm excited. For me, the alarm sound comes less from Mike singing than it does from the way the songs are structured. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't hear that either on a lot of these, which I'm pleased about. To me, what I would not want and I think you mentioned this too earlier in earlier shows would be songs that sound like 
music played by the alarm. It's got to be some kind of amalgamation between the two bands. And yeah, definitely. Okay, so now we're going to move on to a guy I was really I was really happy to hear from. He lives very close to me actually in Maryland, and his name is Arlen, and I've known Arlen's name for for many years. And it was great to hear your voice, Arlen, and we really appreciate your message. And let's play it right now. Hey, Tom, it's Vine. It's Arlen from Maryland here. First, great work on the Great Divide podcast, guys. I hope you keep it up for as long as there are interesting things to be said about big country. Anyway, a few thoughts after hearing the snippets on Amazon once. Or who am I kidding? A few times. I, I didn't have your willpower. I'd say I'm cautiously optimistic about the new songs. All the elements of classic big country songs were there. The soaring melodies, the intricate guitar work, the crunching drums. Um, I really thought the work from Bruce and Mark in particular stood out as being strong. You know, the uh, instruments sort of jump out of the mix like they're happy to be being played again after all these years, if that makes any sense. And I think Mike's voice sounds great, too. You know, that big, wet, blue-eyed soul rock voice, I think, really complements the music. In terms of the songs, the ones that intrigued me the most, I think, were the up-tempo ones, in particular uh, Home of the Brave sounded really interesting, and the one that I guess is going to be the single, Broken Promised Land, also sounded really great. So anyway, looking forward to the album, and keep up the great work, guys. Signing off. I, I think the thing that he said that really stuck out to me, and I really enjoyed that comment, was that he said the music sounds happy to be to be played again. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, a great, that was a great way to put it, and... Um, I, I get that feeling too, and and that's one of the reasons that I think this is working for me, and I'm more willing to embrace this. Um, I, probably a lot of it has to do with just the time that has passed, and I really do feel like, in a way, this band is any and with Mike aboard and with what Bruce is doing, taking the kind of a leadership role, the band is is almost saying we're not going to yield to the depression and the sorrow that came with. Stewart's death. We're not going to yield to that. We have more to say. We want to bring these songs back and let you celebrate them again and let you uh, be happy through them again and not not listen to them and feel sad every time you hear them. And these are songs that that were written with the intent of lifting people up and inspiring them, not not making them think of a horrible situation where someone that we loved did something that we wish they hadn't done. Hmm. And I, I just get that feeling from them that, and I, and I really respect it and appreciate it that they're championing these songs and, and giving them life again and giving them a good, a good uh, type of life again, as far as making them be become inspirational, motivating songs again. And you can, you can hear that in the way Mike performs them and, you know, a lot of the things that we say about Mike maybe being or some people uh, maybe being over the top or cheesy sometimes, it, it, whether he is that or isn't that is is your, in your own opinion. But I think we could all agree that it comes from a from a good place and it comes from a, a place that is real and that he really exudes this kind of positive energy. And, and I welcome that associated with big country and that big country was always dark in, in a way, but they always had that. At least initially, they always did have that hopefulness and inspirational quality, and I'm glad to see that come back. And I'm glad to see these songs give be give being given another chance to uh, to live again. And that's so. When Arlen said that, it just kind of really clicked with me because I've felt the same way. Yeah, it sounded like you wrapped it up nicely. <laughs> I don't know if I should. I don't know if there's room to squeeze in there. But um, I, I, the only thing I had to add was, uh, and I was actually searching for this while you spoke. There was an interview with. Mike and Tony after the Hard Rock Cafe gig. And Mike said pretty much exactly the same thing that you said. 
I mean, just reading, you know, on your fan sites, your Facebook page, all that kind of stuff, certainly um, the reaction amongst the fans towards you, Mike, has been incredibly positive. Incredibly yeah, yeah so. I've been very um, grateful for that. But the way I look at it with the fans when I went into it, we all had to do it together. We all had to make yeah. the crossing the, the, from the, the time of Stuart to the time of now. And, the, and everyone involved in the band had to make that journey, and the fans as well. So the way I look at it, we all did it together. We all knew each other because the Alarm and Big Country had played together a lot Stuart was a great friend to all of us the fans the band myself and so there was a shared um, communal spirit to move forward beyond this point and and because Stuart left an incredible legacy of great music and 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 I felt it was important that uh, that just that act of that one terrible day in his life was something we could all move beyond and celebrate the greatness that he brought into the world and as is reflected by the by this band Big Country okay so we've got one more message here and apparently this person is very excited about uh, one particular song on the new Big Country album, so let's play it. Um, <laughs> this, is, uh, uh, this is Beavis, and, and I'm really looking forward to the new album, <laughs> especially that song, Winter's Fire, Fire, Fire! <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That was a great Beavis impression, if that was not in fact Beavis. Uh, so, I, just, uh, I, I just wonder what song Bert Ted looks forward to. <laughs> yeah, good question. I wonder what he would look forward to. I don't have the stuff in front of me, the track listing. But um, Who knows? I, don't think, I don't think there's anything sexual in any of the titles. So No, no mention of butts. Yeah, I was going to say, there has to be something with butts. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's great. Winter's Fire. Uh, that should be an interesting one because I think we both saw some promise in that in the live version. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That was one of my favorites of those. So thank you, Beavis. So talking about the album, we're going to move into the final portion of this show and talk about what Svein and I expect from a new big country album. So uh, and we've we've listened to the 30 second sound clips, too. So we'll work that into the discussion. And uh, let's fine start with this. I mean, what are what are your expectations when a new big country album is coming out? It's been a long time, but talk yeah. about that and and what you th- and I guess I'll do the same, and then we'll talk about the thirty second clips. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a good question at this point. What I expect from a big country album, because uh, I was thinking about this before we and before we started speaking, and I really expect the same now that I did ten and twenty years ago. Which is really uh, interesting that uh, I know what I want from a big country album. And like yourself, I, I'm looking for the thing that attracted me to the band to begin with. So um, I would be thrilled to hear more of the Celtic inspirations. I'm not going to say I want bagpipe guitars, but I want some Celticness oh, to some degree. I want, um, it would be nice to hear the Ebo again. It would be nice to uh, hear a big country epic again. And I've been asking Mike about this in the online chat. I asked Bruce about this when we had him on. And uh, the thing about the big country epic is uh, they've always done them. But uh, there were really no big country epics on driving to Damascus. And the ones we had on Why the Long Face was really on the B-sides, like Can You Feel the Winter? And I think that's the last epic as it stands today. So that's 18 years ago. It's been 18 years since we got the last Big Country epic. It's not yeah. fair to say that because it's been quite a few years since the last album, period. It's been a long break. But uh, it's about time to, to get a new one. And, and Mike said, yes, it's about time to do it. So uh, when I get the new album, 
uh, I'll probably look at the track times and say, is there a long one? Is there a potential epic there? And I'll they're already there. The track times are there on the Amazon page. Okay, so I've, and they're all they're all like no, there's nothing over four four minutes. So really, yeah, everything is under five minutes. So I, I'm afraid there probably will not be any epics. Okay, but uh, then again, you have songs like The Sailor, who's really short but still feels like a big country epic. Or The Red Fox too. Yeah, exactly. So you'll hear me clinging to hope despite uh, evidence to the contrary. <laughs> I want something that feels epic. It doesn't need to be a 10-minute song. It doesn't need to be anything like that. But uh, it's a style, really, more than anything else. So the Red Fox, uh, like uh, my love for that song has been well spoken of by now in the previous episode. That is short, over four minutes, something like that. Yeah. So um, and it so it does length has nothing to do with it. It's done more to do with the sound, the That's scope. What she said. Yeah, and uh, I'm clinging to that too. So there, there's hope. There's always hope. So so that's what I'm looking for a bit. But I'm also looking for really those sounds and those guys. Uh, the the new thing is we have five guys now. It's not the same four guys. It's a new band. It's the five yeah. guys. It's really the, the two and the three new. So should I expect the same as I've always expected? Is that fair? And that goes back to your question: that uh, how far off the you know the beaten path can they go before uh, it's not really big country anymore? So I'm not concerned about that. But um, it's uh, it's really just important for them to get in there and show that they are big country. They can't start going off the beaten path with the first album. I think if they make a really strong and true to form album that feels like big country now. Uh, they make it more open for themselves to experiment in the next one. To me, the most interesting thing to look for in this album is Derek Forbes. Uh, that's the that's the really interesting part because we haven't really heard much about or much of his bass playing, unless you're someone who follows the stuff that he's done, and I have not. So I'm really interested to see how he's going to fit in and what kind of style he's going to bring to the band. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I went back and listened to the Steve Lillywhite version of Another Country and some of the stuff that the band had been doing, and as much as I really wish Tony was still in the band, I'm not going to lie, I feel like he, he has not been his usual inventive self on the bass lately. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe the songs just haven't called for that. But Another Country, for example, he's just playing root notes the entire song. I, I'm not hearing those great Tony Butler runs and wild bass playing that I remember from the mm. from the older days. I haven't heard that as much in a while. I would love to hear... A return to the musicality of big country on this album i think and and I, I i would love to hear them embrace that without being without any concerns for commercial success you know i, I want them just to let loose on their musicality because we know mark can do it and I, i've heard that Derek can do it i i've not actually heard it so i'm i'm hoping you know what bruce said when he was talking about Derek. he said he was coming up with some a mental was the word that he used, mental bass parts. So I want to hear that. I want to hear some mental bass mm. parts on this album. I don't think we've heard that in too long for Big Country. Mm. Um, and the same goes for Mark. I, I think uh, he has I, – I want to hear some crazy Mark Brzecki drumming on this. I definitely want to hear the, some bagpipe guitars. I'm not going to lie. I've been saying that since uh, the end of the Seer era. You know, I want to return to the bagpipe guitars. Not that it has to be there in every song, but I would like at least some nods to that. Um and one of the things that uh, – to get back to what Mark had said initially, as far as concerns for me, are there any concerns? Um, really, there, there there aren't 
any huge concerns except for, you know, I want I want to hear an album and be proud of it and be proud to say that this is a big country album. Um, judging from what we heard, I think that that there's a good chance that will happen. Now, my only my main concerns are with to me are with Mike. Um, and again, it's not his voice. It's not his presence. It's not his attitude. I'm not the fan that you are of the alarm stuff and the Mike Peters solo stuff. I mean, I, I was definitely an alarm fan through the first incarnation of the band. I started to fall out a little bit when the change album came out and I bought the raw album, but I was not that impressed with it. And I really didn't follow them at all. I, I, I just kind of knew that Mike Peters was still out there. I always liked him. I saw the band live a couple times in America and they were very good with the first incarnation of the band. But one thing that I've noticed over the years with Mike is that uh, he, he definitely has a tendency to go for, and we talked about this with One Great Thing, and this is my one concern of the album. We, we, we talked about the lyrics in One Great Thing being a bit too sloganeering and almost being so big that they didn't have as much of an emotional impact anymore. And that's kind of what I've gotten sometimes from Mike's lyrics, is that he, he really goes for those big, gigantic themes. And to be honest, sometimes for me, his lyric writing can fall a little close to the cliches. And I'm hoping that I'm hoping that that is not the case here. And and saying that he also can come up with some great lines. So it's not like he's always doing that, in my opinion. It's just that sometimes for me, that's a weak link. And I know that we're not going to get Stewart's lyric writing. I know that we're not going to get that style and nor should anyone try to emulate that. And I know Mike obviously is and he's got his own career and, and well respected and well deserved uh, for that respect. But uh, to me, I'm, I'm hoping the lyrics will be in depth and I'm hoping the musicality of the band will, will make a huge return. And um, no, I, I, I have none of those concerns. Um, Mike writes different kinds of lyrics and he knows exactly what he's doing. So there are many songs that, yeah, they are unabashedly sentimental and personal and, and gushy. And that's what he's going for. And he brings a lot of self into it. Uh, but I don't think he will come into big country with that mentality. I think he's aware of the legacy. I think he's aware of what makes a big country lyric. And I know he can deliver those type of lyrics because he does that when the song requires it. So um, I, I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I don't think it's uh, hit and miss. I think it's he goes for what he wants to go for. And you either like it or you don't. So uh, I, I am truly looking forward to it. And I'm not even looking forward to it like biting nails it's I'm, I'm looking forward to it i'm actually convinced they will come up with it cool so okay so the last thing that we'll talk about here is briefly these 30 second clips um what what was your reaction hearing them yeah and, and did anything stand out for you yeah so uh, obviously you forced me to listen to some youtube youtube clips uh way back <laughs> and uh here we have the first glimpse of the studio version uh, so, so that's interesting, and 30 seconds can only tell you so much. So, in some ways, it's frustrating to listen to them. And uh, I've only heard, I've heard them a couple times. I didn't want to overplay those 30-second clips, so I've only played those a couple times. And uh, I have to say, some of the songs that we hadn't heard before sounded more interesting to me than a lot of the ones we heard in YouTube clips. And uh, yeah. I don't know if that's just because it's new or fresh or, or what it is, but overall. I, I seem to hear trademarks. I seem to hear Celtic guitar lines, and not necessarily the bab, bagpipe tuning, but the dual guitar Celtic thing that uh, Jamie and Bruce can do. And 
that's uh, that's what I like. You know, that you you get sort of the Celticness back, and maybe it's not all the bagpipe tuning, but but something is reintroduced to the music that's been lacking since the 80s, I dare say. So so that's really really good to hear those things. Uh, it's impossible to judge uh, Derek like uh, like yourself. He's a wild card to me. I don't know if it's something to be concerned about. He's still he is still known as Derek Forbes, formerly Simple Minds. And I think he left Simple Minds in 1985, so that's a freaking huge gap. You know, I'd like to, I'd like you know, for his sake, to be remembered for something other than X Simple Minds, when that's sort of in his early part of his career. And what yeah. about all these other years? I'm sure there's worthy stuff there, but clearly Simple Minds was the biggest band. So um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward, like yourself, to uh, to hearing more from him. Uh, for Tony, uh, it's kind of like I f- I felt we got both both from him during these last years uh, another country wasn't his peak but i dare say the bass playing on the demo of angels and promises was wonderful and that was when i understood this lineup could work and this experiment could work it was more like the celtic um harmony bass uh background that he did on some of his better stuff uh, so obviously going back to the 30 second clips uh, i was worried when I heard Bruce say that that version of Angel of the Promises was a demo and they were going to re-record it properly for the album. And I said, oh my God, that version was perfect. Can I even capture Lightning in a Bottle one more time? So I'm listening to that 30 second clip of Angels and Promises, expecting to hear the same or don't change it, please, because that was perfect. And um, I'm still holding my breath a little bit on that one, but uh, I'm glad the song made the album. It would be a shame if it didn't. Yeah, I, I, that that was an awesome song, and I, I was I don't know if anyone else said it, but um, it was mentioned that someone said it talked about it sounded like the REL tapes. I I definitely made that comment that I thought that song, that demo sounded like something right off the REL tapes to me, mm-hmm. and that was such a huge surprise and a pleasant one. But um, yeah, yeah, when when I when I heard them, um, it, it is it's, it's hard to judge things by such a limited time and bad quality too. But there were some things that stood out to me, both good and bad. For me, the the, the good Broken Promise Land seems like very seems like it's very promising. Yeah. And and like you, there there were a lot of uh, really cool sounds that I really wasn't necessarily expecting. Like after the flood, uh, the the rhythm of that and some of the bass sounds in that sounded really cool. Yes. Um, the the one song that did not do anything for me at all and and has me a little concerned is Hurt. Which is their first single. Now that now that to me, what I heard, that to me is an example of them not succeeding as far as something that sounds too much like Mike Peters, and that song sounded nothing like Big Country to me. But of course, you know, again, it's just a, a short sound bite, so we'll see. Yeah, to, um, me, to me, that song sounded like U2 more than anything. It it doesn't remind me of Mike Peters either. If that yeah. had been a Mike Peters song, I would feel the same way. That what's this? Uh, and uh, someone said someone said to me privately on Facebook, "Poor man's U2," and I, I kind of would agree with that. Uh, but we'll see. I, I, it could this could be another example of choosing making a bad single choice. I don't know. But um, yeah, the rest it's a, of it's, it, a, it's a tradition. You got to maintain yeah, it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, the rest of it, "Home of the Brave" sounds interesting. It, it uh, some of that reminded me of the song "Raw" from the Alarm. So that that could be something that veers into Alarm territory. We'll see. Um, other stuff, uh, another country. I'm very curious to hear that what that sounds like re-recorded. It sounds like it's a harder edge version, which I think is is good, because I I actually had some problems with the way Steve Lillywhite did that song, um, 
which might be like blasphemy to say anything about Steve Lillywhite, but I thought the vocals were too up in the mix in that in that original recording, and I thought that Mike actually did not deliver his best vocal performance on that. It's something about when he went to the like in the beginning when he does the oh 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 oh. That's something about that just seemed off to me. I don't know. So I look forward to hearing a new version of that. Um, Return was a big favorite when when the live version of that leaked, and I think that could be a really cool very traditional big country sounding song and um yeah i mean i winter's fire all that stuff it's it sounds promising to me and it seemed to become apparent to me that the band is not trying to recreate anything and it seemed like they were doing exactly what bruce said that they were doing whatever came naturally because i heard some old styles of big country and i heard some stuff that i'd never heard before really from big country so it sounds like they're doing what they want to do and they're and they're being orig- fairly original about it. So I'm I'm excited about that and it'll yeah. be great. It'll be a great experience hopefully to to hear it and it'll be interesting, that's for sure. I think for this album to to work, it needs to have one foot in the past and one foot in the future and that's what it seems like to me. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Okay, so that pretty much wraps up our discussion and our preparation for this album. And uh, this is only going to be out for a short time, really, before the album comes out. Initially, when we talked about doing the show, we thought the album was going to come out uh, like around the 20th or 30th or something of April. And as usual, the the dates are always changing and mixed up. And it, it looks like from for now that the album is coming out April 8th, at least on iTunes worldwide. And I don't know if that's when the CD is coming out, too, but... Basically, what I'm getting at here is uh, there's not going to be much time for this show to be out before the album actually does come out. So for the next episode, which probably won't be too far off, what we want to do is give our review of this album. And it's 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 probably going to be more of a reaction type of show rather than any kind of in-depth no, re- it, review. It, you know? It's definitely not going to be in-depth. It's far too soon. So, yeah, you so, got you got to sit with it for a while before you can do that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, at most I might be able to rank the songs, but I don't know. It depends how long we wait, I guess. Yeah, I I mean I I'm sure that we're both the same that we'll play it quite a bit when yeah. we get it. So once we feel like we've played it enough to have a good feel for where where it's going to stand with us, because as I said, some albums can grow on you. Some albums, like for me, Why the Long Face, I really liked it first, and it had the opposite effect where it's, it deteriorated. And, and uh, so who knows what, what this one will be. So we're going to have to listen to it a few times before we're ready. But in the meantime, we're hoping that what you guys will do will take advantage of the SpeakPipe page again. And you can find that on our Facebook page, and there are links to it. And we'll, we'll certainly put posts up there too. And what we would like for you guys is to, once the album comes out and you've given it a listen, please send us your short review of the album. Tell us what you think. And again, all reviews are welcome. If you think it sucks, please say so. If you think it's great, please say so. Um, We just want to hear what you think. And we'll play as many of those as we possibly can on the next show. If we get get tons of them, we might have to either pick what we think are the best ones or spread it out over over time. We can play them on future shows too. But um, please send us your reviews. It will be a great addition to the show, and we'd really like to hear them. So look for the next episode to come pretty soon as we review, as best we can, the new Big Country album. And that's really about it for this one. It should be an interesting time for Big Country coming up. We've got a lot going on. Uh, U.S. tour I'm, I'm particularly excited for. And hopefully they'll get to Swine's Neck of the Woods here soon, too. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully this can be the first step in a longer 
I hate to keep saying it, but a longer journey. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that got old real fast, didn't it? Yeah, it, it did. <laughs> but you, you, can't, you can't avoid it. You can't avoid saying it, and yet no. you're like, oh, i got to say it. I think Mike, so, yeah. Mike is the only person who can get away with it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. e- even so, it's wearing thin. But, but really, this is a very exciting time. I hope everybody out there enjoys it. I fully intend to enjoy it. And um, who knows if we're going to get it again. I mean, Mike has said he's here for the duration. He wants this to go on. And I think that is the intention. But uh, like life has shown, you never can take anything for granted. So just enjoy this time. Enjoy the wait for the album. Enjoy getting it. And not let it be about this isn't what it was with Stuart, because that's uh, that's kind of bogus. Just just enjoy the album, enjoy the wait. Exactly, and we hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, enjoy the journey. And we will talk to you guys next time. It was very weird. Peculiar. It was kind of amusing. Yes, it was rather funny. It was incredibly funny. I loved it. Hilarious. Wonderful. Wonderful. Winter's fire, fire, fire.